week five of the table, where we are looking at different tables all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, tables that people come together around, tables that discuss important topics, tables that Jesus shares truth, and we're coming to another table uh, today. It is a table that's one of the most familiar tables in all of Scripture, one of the most familiar. It is a table that is tucked away in a passage of Scripture that is one of the most memorized, uh, one of the most memorialized. It is put in picture frames in uh, houses. It's sewed on to uh, quilts in baby beds. It is etched into the concrete, into prison cells. And it is this chapter of the Bible in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And it starts out like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what's great about this very simple passage is right off the bat, you understand who God is. See, here's the deal. Lots of people are searching for the meaning of life. They want to know why I'm here. What's my purpose? What am I going to do? What is my God-given potential? We say to Timber Creek, your God-given potential is our mission. And when you think of Psalm 23, you will many times, if you Google search it, you will not so much see shepherds as much as you'll see sheep in a pasture. Am I right? When you think of Psalm 23 and you hear the Lord is my shepherd, you think of sheep. Yeah, that's right. You think sheep. But the word sheep is never even in this passage. So how do we even get sheep into this passage? Because we see that the Lord is a shepherd. And here's just an important element of this. It's you really will never know who you are or what you're destined to be until you discover who he is. If you see him as a shepherd, then you understand your role. I'm a sheep. If you see him as a father, you can be a son and daughter. If you see him as the big man upstairs, then you may just be like a hireling on the first floor. If you see him as the God who loves you, you see yourself as someone who is valuable because the God of the universe would love me. Until you discover who he is, you will not know who you really are. We're sheep. We're sheep. Now, pause. God calling you a sheep is not a compliment, okay? Like, you know, it's not like you're a rose, okay? Uh, this, this is not, the, the truth is, um, we think sheep, Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow. We think, you know, we're laying in bed, we're trying to count the sheep. You know, when sheep are tired, they count humans. It's crazy. Don't, that was, no, don't, don't laugh at that. God, God is not calling, giving you a compliment because you know what? Sheep are smelly. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet, literally, scientifically proven. Uh, sheep get into all kinds of stupid trouble. Uh, sheep will leave the comfort of a sheep pen and a shepherd and get out there and drown, get stuck, get hungry, they get sidetracked, they get devoured, they, like sheep just, they drift. We're all like sheep, we go astray. 
I mean, this is a perfect example. It's like, here God is, like, I'm gonna get you out, I'm gonna take care of you, I'm your shepherd, you won't need anything. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'm free, I'm free, praise the Lord! (laughs) How many of you that's been your life, right? I mean, I've been there a time or 12. I've been there a time or 12. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I I should want to lie down in the green pastures. I would want to go where the shepherd's leading me, but I get sidetracked to these little little trails and and in the tall grass, I'm chasing a butterfly into the tall grass and a lion is waiting, crouched to take me out. And the shepherd wants me to avoid those dangerous areas. He's gotta make me lie down. Like you need rest, Pastor Dan did a fantastic job talking about the importance of filling our tanks last week. If you missed that message, you need to go back and listen to it sometime this week on podcast. Not only does he lead me in paths, he leads me by the still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God blesses us not to bless our name, but for us to bless his name. And blessing doesn't mean health, wealth, and prosperity. Uh, Blessing simply means he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I have a master. I have a savior. And I walk in that path of righteousness. And that's thanking him. It's in this moment of Psalm 23 that David now, King David, who wrote Psalm 23, he shifts now from a poem of praise lifting up the, the, the shepherd to now more of like praying the promises of the shepherd, praying the promises of God. So he goes from, man, I, this is what you do. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I won't fear no evil. Why? Because he has a promise. Because you're with me. You've promised to be with me. You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You not only guide me, but you also, not only guide me with your staff, but you also have the rod and you can protect me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, David being a shepherd and also being the king of Israel, he understood two metaphors that he now begins to tie together. This is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature you'll ever read when you get the nuances and the depth of it. Because he's talking about two things now that are gonna completely shift gears and he's gonna move from using, now you prepare a table before me and he moves away from the pasture and he's now beginning, now he is beginning to move into the palace. Because he's not only talking about a table, like a a place of green pasture that is free from thistles and thorns, but he also knows what it's like to have a king's table with royalty and food, a a banquet for the ages, and and people to serve, and everybody watching as he is able to indulge, like it's you never need a thing, and he's beginning to shift it now into this, this table. The truth is, we don't like valleys and we don't like enemies, do we? Nobody's like, yay, I'm going through another valley in my life. Nobody's like, woo, I love having enemies. If you do, you're probably on Facebook saying, I don't care if I have an enemy or not. Yes, you do. Or you wouldn't be on Facebook trying to get like, you know, the the comfort from other people going like, 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 heart, 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 sad cry. (laughs) You prepare a table, we, we don't... 
We like the table. We don't like the enemies. We, don't, we definitely don't like the valleys. In fact, if this wasn't David writing it, but it was me writing it, the JY version or the UU version, we would probably, we'd rather it say this. We'd rather text God because we wouldn't be writing, you know, you know, on parchment. We'd be texting the shepherd and, and we'd say, not yay, though I walk through the valley. We'd be like, yeah, yay. I don't have to walk through any valleys. Yay. We'd also say things like, oh, shepherd, you prepare a table before me in your presence. Thank you. You, you are there. You prepared a table. And because we're living in 2022, we'd also say, mind blown, excited, teary-eyed, three hearts. One heart just won't do. Anybody have a strange addiction to more than one exclamation point? Is that just me? It's like everything has to be an exclamation point. Why? We are, so, we are sheep. That's what we are. We're just sheep. We also say, you wipe out all my enemies. That's what we would want to say. You wipe out all my enemies. Devil's a liar. He better get an ambulance because he's going to die because my God is strong. He's 100 and I'm so excited. Praise hands. <laughs> the truth is, scripture says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The key point is you prepare it. How many people, including us in the room, you've been trying to live your life preparing a table. You've been trying to work at it. You've been trying to be the final answer, trying to be the ultimate breadwinner beyond finances for your family, like the ultimate provider of everything. But he prepares a table. We say it like this at Timber Creek, and you, you can write this down. God is the host, we're the guest. We don't invite Jesus into our services. Jesus has invited you into his service. Jesus has invited you in to worship. We can encourage you and cheerlead you, but the truth is he's the host, you're the guest. He is bringing you in and he has prepared a table. He's prepared a table. Now, let's, let's talk about this table for a minute. God has said a lot of things in scripture. He said a lot of things in scripture. If you go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, there's a lot of things written through John that are very difficult to understand. If you find any kind of pastor or teacher that can explain every single thing to you in the book of Revelation, careful, careful. <laughs> because there's stuff in there is like, oh, well, that's what that means, blah, 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 Russia, KGB, you know. But really, really, there's a lot of mystery still. There's just some things we're not gonna know until the other side of heaven. So there's things that can be said in scripture we may not quite understand or grasp. There, there may be things that we've even done today, maybe you're new to church and raising the hands or singing a song over and over or um, celebrating a missionary or talking about care for pastor, like whatever. There may be a word that is used in a sermon or two and you're like, what does that mean? Not everybody in the room knows everything that's going on in church. You don't know every single thing about the Bible. Like, like the modern day evangelist Kanye said, I used to think Job was a job. Some of you came in, thought I was speaking from Psalms 23. You may not know everything in the Bible, but let me tell you something you do know. Every single person in this room that, that's been around for at least 
a year and a half of life knows what this is. You, you know what this is. In, across cultures, it may not be on four legs. It may be more with pillows around it on a floor, but everybody knows what a table is. And God gives us such important language through his servant, David. I want to prepare a table for you and all the enemy can watch me work. All the enemy can sit back and watch what I do and they can be upset and they can be mad, but I'm going to prepare a table for you. See, God isn't sitting here waiting for you to show up to church. <laughs> but many times we act like it. Many times we, we, we try to figure out how to, we, we're, we're trying to be that good, good person for the Lord and setting things up and making sure everything's perfect. And I don't want to be vulnerable and honest with anybody because if, if anybody knows that my table is a wreck at home, they're not really going to let me stay in their group or I'm not going to be able to be around my encounter table Sunday nights at 6 p.m. I'm not going to be able to do all these things. And so we work so hard to try and earn favor with God and favor with man and God is inviting us to sit down. God is the host or the guest. And as beautiful as, as this is, uh, even though he's the ghost, we're the, we're, 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 he's the guest, we're the, he's the ghost, the Holy Ghost. He's the host, we're the guest, but, but, we got an issue, everybody. As I said, he prepares the table in a presence of my enemies. Write it down if you're taking notes. We can have all of this and still we are surrounded. We can be surrounded by all kinds of things in all kinds of places. We sit and we wanna focus on God, but how quickly, instead of having the focus we're worried about this, we're worried about that, the pressures and the circumstances, the anxieties of life, things that are depressing and the gossip and the, the backstabbing. On top of that, uh, busyness and um, lack of focus. So we can come sit at the table. Instead of being worried about our enemies, we become our own worst enemy because keeping us from real conversation, not only with God, but other people that you sit around the table with. We got phones in our hands. Now, social media has become one of those things we're surrounded by. Everybody else's opinion. Everybody else has a truth and has an answer for you. And yet the person who is the answer has invited you to sit with him. But we're too busy. Got too much on my plate. So I have an empty plate at the most important table while I continue to fill my plate with all kinds of stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really matter. We're surrounded. Surrounded by this broken world, surrounded, surrounded by my own thoughts and my own stuff that kind of get me distracted from the most important table that he has prepared for me. But there's another issue. Now, not only are we surrounded and those things become enemies to us, but write it down. Someone else wants to sit at your table. This is a table for two, everybody. And yet out from the back, 
<laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, buddy? What's up? <laughs> we know each other a long time. Mind if I? That's okay. I will. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't care, right? I mean, you're God. You don't need to eat anything. <sighs> What's up, dude? Life treating you good? Yeah? How's that, how's that wife of yours? Oh, boy. I mean, I know it was a match made in heaven, but it's like, she will not shut up, right? <laughs> like, why can't she just let you kind of live your life? You know what I mean? Why does, she, why, does she, why does she think that, like, she has to always be nagging you? You know what I mean? All right, it's okay. I will tell you, if you're not feeling good about it, there's all kinds of fishes in the sea. There are all kinds of fishes. How's your family? How's your dad? <laughs> you know your dad's a deadbeat. You knew that. I, and I remember you saying a lot. I've heard you say it before. I'm never going to be like my dad. <laughs> Newsflash. You're becoming just like him. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, the way you talked to your kid last night is the way your dad used to talk to you. And you might as well just, just kind of forget it. No point. Jenny was talking about you uh, the other day. I mean, I, don't, I, I think she was. She was talking about you behind your back. And she was telling Bethany when you left that party that, like, you can't be trusted. So you know what you ought to do? You ought to take her, uh, like, out of your friends list. You ought to just, like, push her out of your life. People that, people that uh, you trust... I know, I know, like, uh, you should listen more to your friends than the people you trust, okay? I'm trying to give you advice. Don't mind, I mean, sorry, I'm gonna leave in a minute, but bro, you're my ride or die. If you ever feel alone, I got you. I got you for life. And just like that, in a inconspicuous, easy way, the enemy slides up to your table and begins to do what he does best. And he lies to us and he twists the truth. This is what prowling looks like. Uh, the scripture says it like this. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, we have way too often put the devil in a in a uh, fairy tale look of the goofy villain like Iago on the shoulder of Jafar. He's just a kind of a, a nagging, annoying thing, but he is a real enemy. He's a real enemy. But but he's an enemy that's somewhat incognito. And the truth is, write it down, the devil isn't out to stab you in the throat, okay? He doesn't come up to the table like a ninja and go, you know, that was a little graphic, especially with a fork, but that was going to take a while, but no, 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 he doesn't come in and stab you in the throat yet, <laughs> yet. That's not how he operates, no. He starts with seduction, 
He comes in selling what you're looking for. He comes in smelling what you're hungry for. He, he comes in being the answer to maybe the question you've been asking. And he wraps it up in a way that is like fruit from a tree. And you know the truth, but he says, did God really say that you can't do this or can't do that? Come on. He's just trying to keep you from being like him. And he'll deposit seeds that bring us to make decisions we will regret. He starts with seduction. Here's his native language. It's not Greek. It's not Hebrew. It certainly isn't English. His native language is lie. Lie. Como esta? Well, I was expecting somebody to stay in. <laughs> That's about the extent of my Spanish, amigo. <laughs> Uh, there's not much I can say. If we were to have a conversation, I, I probably couldn't do very well selling you anything or even have a relationship that would be of meaningful impact if our relationship was determined on our ability to communicate because I don't know Spanish very well. Now, if, if we're speaking the same language, I think I can... I think I can do a pretty good job of connecting the dots and starting up a conversation and, and seeing if we have uh, likes and togetherness. Like, if it's my native language, it's a lot easier for me to, to connect. His native language, easy for him. You know, you know some of your kids, it's just hard. It's just hard for them to lie. That changes over time, I'm just gonna tell you right now. It gets easier and easier. They, get, they become fluent. <laughs> but like... Back in the day, I would lie, and I, uh, you know, I wrote my name in crown on the back of the closet, and my dad came up to me and said, son, why did you, why did you write with a crown in, in the closet? That wasn't me, that was Jared, and Jared, like, didn't even know how to spell. Why would Jared write your name on the closet, you idiot, <laughs> you know? That's not what he said. He probably said, you dummy, but anyway, his native language is lie, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to lie to you. So... The table that's meant to be for two. Someone wants to sit at your table. The question is, is he already there? And what's the conversation like? In fact, it's another way to say it. How, how do you know if the devil is at your table right now? How can you tell? Are there any cues? Let me just give you four. First one is this, if you have heard that it's better at another table, that the table that God is preparing for you between him and you, that there's a better table than that, the devil is at your table. And what that looks like is a table that becomes dressed and set by the world. No doubt the world can set an attractive table. The world can set a table that will satisfy your cravings for a meal. For a meal. Can give you things that you're looking for temporarily. But it's always in a counterfeit. It's always not the pure, unadulterated 
goodness and truth that's at this table. God just wants me happy. He'll understand that I'm going to chase this extra relationship. God, God wants you to be full of joy. But the enemy wants to invite you to find that in a way that takes you away from this table. Um, if, I just, if I just have more, and so we go to the table of materialism or spending, and God says, I'm all you need. But then we get upset. We don't even want to be at this table. The enemy can use even things like this. Pfft, all that church wants is your money. It's all they talk about around there is money. The enemy's not saying, hey, you know, the deer lease is all about your money. When it is. <laughs> and yet we leave the table because we struggle with maybe putting the church or God first in even our finances. And what can happen is we leave the table that is the table of blessing because we want to go to the table of doing things our way. It's better in another table, the enemy would tell you. Better in another table. Better if you just do it. I mean, what, God just doesn't want you to have fun. That's why he, he wants you to be at this table so you miss out on all the other stuff. No, he wants you to be at this table because it's the safest place in the room. You, you may have heard, if, if you may be at the table, if you've heard, I'm not good enough. That God would prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies must mean you're very valuable, but every time you look in the mirror, you find something that you don't feel is very valuable. You conjure up those words that were said by a bully 14 years ago. You go back through those painful moments or even that wound and somehow what someone else did to you that you did not deserve, that you did not ask for, but wounded you somehow, you feel like you're responsible and what's wrong with me and you, so you're feeling I'm not good enough and that is just, and, and, and the devil's just. <sighs> Got you where he wants you. And don't get it twisted. None of us are really good enough to like earn this. You don't earn it. He gives it to you. The, the only way that you can even sit down at this table, which almost, oh my goodness, this just came to me. If, you, if he's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and if you're in the presence of your enemies and he's talking now about a king and this whole deal and valley of shallow death, this guy's a warrior. David knows what a warrior is. Why isn't this guy fighting these enemies? Why isn't he up with his sword drawn? What, what kind of lazy bum is this that he'd sit at the table and fight, not fight the enemies? He's trying to spend time with God over here. He's trying to spend time with the king and butter up to the king. When he should be out here fighting the battle. Oh, well, I guess somebody else has to fight that then. So God would send his own son, Jesus, to instead of sit down at the table, he would be removed from the table. He would leave the heavenly dining room 
and come down to a hillside and eventually die on a hillside, conquering all these enemies. He conquers them. The victory is his, but it doesn't mean you still won't battle. They're at bay by what Jesus has done, but we still can allow those enemies to slide a chair up. You're not good enough, but God says, I'm enough, and if you'll embrace me, you're enough, and you are good enough. You're my child. If you've heard, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it, I just might as well give up. He says, I'll walk with you through any valley you go through. I'll be there. I'm faithful. You walk through fire. I've walked walked with people through fire before. you're You're drowning in heavy water. I can part a sea. I can find you. I'm with you. You've not lost my eye. If you've heard, everybody's against me. Truth is, maybe there are some people against you. But God is for you. And if he's for you, you have who you need in your corner. Mm. Scripture says that this is the one role of his job description. He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. And this Listen to me, 52-year-old. That same devil wants to slide up to the table, to the Spider-Man, to the Spider-Man little poker table. The Spider-Man, what do you call those? Card tables at Thanksgiving and talk to your four-year-old grandchild. He, he, he does not care. He doesn't wait till you're at the big table to start talking to you, does he? Some of you, you are carrying some lies that the enemy told you long time ago. Why? Because he don't think you're cute. He wants to only kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And what I want us to leave with today is is this. I may not be able to stop the enemy from prowling. I I may not be able to have a, a special prayer that absolutely guarantees that there'll never be an enemy close by wanting to whisper across the table. And, and, and I may have some times where my strength is not as strong as I wish it was. And, and instead of going to the strength of God, I go to my own kind of emptiness and I allow the enemy to pull up. I may not be able to stop the enemy from prowling all the time, but here are 11 words that I hope you will 
dedicate to your heart, dedicate to when these moments, when you feel the whispers, when you've heard those things, that you will remember these 11 words, one little statement that can change a whole lot. It's, it's your choice and your choices will lead, your feelings will follow, but you've got to choose. As for me and my house, as for me and my heart, as for me and my future, as, as for, for me and my past, as for me and my present, I will not give the enemy a seat at my table. There is no chair at the table God's prepared for the enemy. And so don't give him a seat. Don't give him a seat. This statement I read in a resource called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, a pastor in Georgia, Louis Giglio. And I thought about that earlier today, and I thought, you know, it's so great to have good resources close to me. I need more than just one sermon. Um, at Timber Creek Church, we have invested a considerable amount uh, to a program called Right Now Media. It is Netflix for following Jesus. And if you go to TimberCreekChurch.com, don't do it right now, but when you go later, TimberCreekChurch.com, you scroll down to the home page, and you can actually click on Check It Out, and it will take you to Right Now Media, 120,000 different sermons and Bible studies, audio clips and videos. And we have curated on our homepage a Sunday deep dive. And there's uh, at least, these are just the first few. There's about 12 to 15 different resources completely free to you that you can follow up on things like get out of your head and soul detox and facing anxiety and changes that heal your heart. Different things that take it beyond today and begin to strengthen that resolve of I will not give the enemy a seat at my table. Amen, everybody? Why doesn't God just kick him out of the table? He already did. He already defeated him. But if you want to invite him back, God will not stop you. So don't give him a seat. So now I'm thinking, I don't want to put this seat at my table anymore. We're done. But now the challenge comes, now that he stopped talking and I sit down, I don't know why, but I will tell you, you are absolutely not alone because I can struggle with this too. Hear me, I can struggle with this too. God has prepared a table. He wants, this is the relationship he wants. And I can get so busy that I can even, I, can, I, don't, I don't spend the time I wish I, I, I would at the table. Ugh, I just can't find the time to just slow down and Sit. And, and, and furthermore, not only do we not find the time, I mean, he has prepared this table and we're out scrolling social media. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. And I'm not talking about a banquet that lasts for days or for even 45 minutes. I'm talking about just take a moment to sit down with the shepherd who 
prepares everything. The king who prepares the table. And I think some of us struggle with this, not just because we're too busy, because we still find we still find that time to play the Xbox. We still find that time to watch football tonight. We still find that time to go do this and that and the other. We do. We find time. I think the biggest deal, have you ever sat at a table with someone you don't know and it's hard to have a conversation? Anybody ever done that? The more you get to know him, the easier it is. Oh my goodness, my first date with Janet. I mean, sweaty armpits. I was fine, but she was so nervous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what you get when you come to second service, sorry. Uh, nervous picking her up. I, I mean, I cannot tell you how long it took me to figure out what I was going to wear. I know that sounds, for some of you guys, <laughs> I don't care. It was Janet. Janet Norton snorting down the road. <laughs> and we talked, but I was nervous the whole time. Didn't want to mess anything up. Didn't want to say anything stupid. Wanted to be funny. I might be being too funny, but that was dumb. Why did I say that? You're an idiot. The enemy pulls up his chair. She is going to, you're, you're, you're going to blow this. You're, you might as well just walk on home. <laughs> then a little later, the enemy's pulling, it, you know, pulling up on the, at, at the table saying, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it, but you know. You got two feet in a heartbeat. The more I spend time with my spouse, the more she knows me, the more I know her. And the more you spend time with God, the just the more you know him. And, and this becomes easier. So I just want to leave you with three simple conversation starters. Icebreakers with God. God has invited you to the table. He says, here, let me help you. Can I get you anything else? Is there anything else I can grab for you? Are you good? Here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. There you go. You good? Okay. Oh. Many times, what we tend to do is we just start talking to God. And that's why we run out and that's why we struggle with it. We just start talking. But here's the first conversation starter that you can ask God. Okay, here's the first one. You're sitting to that chair and you just ask God, do you know my situation? And God says, Do I know your situation? Let me tell you something about myself. 
I've numbered the hair on your head. I know your situation. And I know it's tough. And I know it's a lot to carry. And I know you're dealing with it. And you're wondering if anybody else knows and anybody else cares and anybody ever has ever felt the pain that you're feeling. I want you to know it's part of why I allowed my son to go through such pain so you would know, I know what it feels like. I know, your, I know your situation. And I see before it and I see in the middle of it and I see beyond it. And I don't see the situation before I see you, I see you. And you're not defined by your situation. I want you to know that. Here's the second one. Is that situation too much for you to handle? <laughs> Is that too much for me to handle? Let me tell you something. Uh, I was able to create the earth in six days. And I was able to uh, be there uh, as a light, as a cloud, as manna in the desert. Um, I have always been providing. I have never broken a single promise in my life. Every single promise that I had written down through my authors, my words to you in that word, not, not a single one of those promises have been broken. And your situation, I promise you, I will give you what you need. It may not be the answer you're looking for, but I will give you what you need when you need it. Third question. Do you have a plan, God? <laughs> I am a planner. Uh, I said already in my word, before the foundations of the earth were formed, the Lamb of God was slain. Before Adam and Eve even took that fruit, I had already, I, I, I had already had a plan. I knew that they were not capable in and of themselves to be perfect. So I would bridge, I would do what only I could do and I would cover them. And I would show them my son from Genesis to Revelation. Do I have a plan? Yeah. And the plan isn't a get out of uh, jail free card. The plan is Jesus, my son. That's my plan. It's plan A, it's plan B, it's plan C. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He connects us. He prays over you. My son prays in my ear for you. I have a plan. Do you have a plan? And our plan is to trust in him. Lean not on our own plans. Acknowledge him. Sit down with him. There's a whole lot to learn from him at the table. Would you pray with me today? At all of our locations, just heads bowed and eyes closed, there's two groups we're gonna pray about today. You might be in one or the other. The first is this. Maybe you're here and the truth is you've avoided that table or you used to sit at that table, but now you've drifted away from that table. You've drifted away from that table. And Jesus is not mad at you. He has not given your seat to someone else. 
He is not making you sit at a different table. So if you're here and you want to have that kind of relationship with God, and maybe you used to have or you've never have, regardless if you're in one of those two categories, if that's you, you say, I need to have Jesus back in my life for the first time or a fresh time. If that's you, would you just put a hand up and I want to pray with you today. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir, in the back. Thank you, ma'am, in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, thank you, guys. Jesus sees you way beyond I could see you. You can put your hands down. In your own words, right here and there in Nacogdoches and online and Dyball and Duncan, would you just simply, you can just pray it like this. Jesus, will you save me? I surrender to you. I believe you are who you say you are, the Son of God. I don't want to live as the king of my life, building my own tables, preparing my own tables, fighting my own battles. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your king. I want to be you to be king in my life. And so I step out of the throne of my heart and I place you on the throne of my heart. And thank you for not being mad at me, for being late to the table, for making this moment for me to join you. Now for the other group, you've been listening to some lies and I wanna just pray over you um, that you would feel, experience, and know the presence of Jesus in your life this week. That as real as this sermon has been even more real is his presence. And if you're asking for that today, like I've, I've been listening to some lies and I gotta remember the truth, if that's you, would you just put a hand up and I wanna pray over you today? Yeah, yeah, me too. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You don't leave us where we are. There's always a table ready and a chair available to us. You do not push us aside. You do not wait, make us wait outside. You invite us right up to the table. Thank you for that. Father, I pray, no matter what wound has been, has, has, has been taken on, no matter what hurt, no matter what regret, no matter what situation, no matter what decision, no matter what crises, you meet us in the middle of those enemies that want to thwart the effort of the Holy Spirit, that want to kick us while we're down, that want to do everything to keep us from that table. May even in this moment as I'm praying, and would you just receive it, everybody? Would you receive it there in Nack? Lord, may we feel right now your loving arms, your presence, your goodness. You are with us. And we lean into you today. And all God's people said, amen.